Hey everyone, Tavis here. I noticed while editing the episode that I pronounced Omicron for the new COVID variant as Omnicron, so please excuse my inability to read and enjoy the rest of the episode. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you a very thankful episode of Monday Madness. What a nice Thanksgiving holiday. Great to spend time with folks you care about and have some fun in the process. With December around the corner, I got to tell you, I am excited to catch another break soon. It's going to be a busy month ahead, so let's push forward and finish strong. I would like to think I'm staying busy and going strong still, considering I'm recording this after writing it and getting back from... LAX, uh, what, seven hours ago, so I know you can do it too. But I know you didn't come here to listen to the exceptionally potent words of an amateur motivational speaker. You came here for the biggest news or numbers in oil and gas, which we will have plenty to speak about, so let's get into it. Starting, of course, with WTI prices. Now, it's still early in the morning, so the price could do just about anything, but the bigger point of interest was Friday. There was lots of downward pressure between the Biden administration's new announcements, more on that later, but more importantly, Omicron. If you hadn't heard, it is the newest variant to crop up, and, like my uncle pointed out, is a perfect anagram for moronic, but that is simply an observation and not a political statement. The new announcement has refreshed fears of suppressed demand recovery and forced the price to fall from a nice healthy 83 to almost $68 flat. Again, watch the price today as it will likely establish the tone for the rest of the week, but I anticipate it will continue to climb just very slowly. Supply is getting tighter and tighter, and winter is quickly approaching. Not only that, but more and more people seem to be over the idea of lockdowns as time continues to go on. It is a sort of boy who cried wolf situation when another one of these variants is announced. Now, I'm not trying to say that it presents no threat at all. Many folks have lost family members or had close calls themselves. I'm saying more people grow sick of these with each passing month. The price may not do as well as we thought it would in the short term, but keep an eye on this commodity as the next couple of months could get crazy. But the same exact situation was presented to natural gas, and it reacted just a bit differently. It rose from five and a quarter to about five and a half before quickly falling on Sunday evening. Again, the end of today will likely set the tone for the week, so keep an eye out on these two. I think extreme volatility is coming. Next up, the rig count. Thankfully, this metric is still performing well, so we actually have some good news to share this week. Overall, the rig count in the U.S. is up 6 to 569, which is 249 more rigs than we had this time last year. Basin by Basin shows that the Williston was a bit of a dark horse this week as it tacked on three more rigs to its total. The Permian followed with two rigs and the Marcellus with one. Everyone else saw no change except for the Haynesville, which actually lost one. Nothing too out of the ordinary this week, which means things are pretty predictable state by state. North Dakota leading the pack with four more rigs, Texas with two, and Pennsylvania with one. The past few weeks seem to have established a pattern of people targeting oil rather than gas, and this week is no different. All the new rigs will be working on horizontal wells in oil-bearing rock. A very standard report, and it is nice to see the Williston receiving some much-needed love. Our last statistic to cover is the inventory report, which does not have a corresponding written report this past week. 
I know, I know. You love those things because it gives you a break from the monotony of the regular week and affords you just a little bit of insight and a new cocktail recipe. Don't worry, they will be back later this week, so be sure to mosey on over to www.rarepetro.com this Thursday afternoon. I can get you caught up on the inventory data, but the cocktail recipe will actually come as a courtesy from my mother. During Thanksgiving, she dressed me up a cranberry mimosa, and it wasn't half too bad. I do recommend trying it. It is cranberry juice to whatever ratio you please of champagne, cinnamon sugar for the rim, and a little slice of apple to hang off the edge. Now, for the important stuff. The EIA felt pretty good about consumption during Thanksgiving week. They expected a near half million barrel drawdown. Nothing serious, but a modest improvement. Unfortunately, they undershot by just a little bit. The resulting build was just over a million barrels. The API was a bit more optimistic, as they predicted a million barrel drawdown, but the real numbers were closer to a 2.3 million barrel build. Color me surprised. I believe last week I predicted an almost certain drawdown. Turns out it's back to builds. If the pattern from before October continues, we can expect another two weeks of regularly sized builds and another draw following. Still, don't be too alarmed. This is typically the time of year that we should be stockpiling these commodities. It's almost expected. Check out the EIA's historical data. This is the time of year where we start to accumulate more and really push those inventories upward. In a couple more months' time, we should have a pretty good idea of how bad things will get, depending on how far outside of the five-year average we are. Gasoline inventories came in with another minor drawdown at about 600,000 barrels. Last week, we saw gasoline prices level out, and this week, we see them fall. Prices have fallen just shy of one and a half cents from a week ago, which is the biggest downwards movement we have seen for months. Makes you wonder, is it a result of the Biden administration's SPR decision, or is it just strategic timing as markets start to take care of themselves? But it is time we delve into that SPR situation. If you hadn't heard, the U.S. has decided to release about 50 million barrels of oil from the SPR while China, Japan, India, the U.K., and South Korea do something similar. This was done as a response to sky-high energy prices. Let's say that this works out the way they expect it to. Oil prices will be artificially decreased for a period of time, which could trickle down to other refined commodities, but this will likely lead to an increase in demand. I hear there are some Asian countries looking for a bunch of cheap oil as things continue to improve. If that is the case, the increased demand would just strip away that bonus 50 million of U.S. oil on the market and push the price back upwards. Another potential downside includes incentives. Why should U.S. oil producers continue to drill new wells if the federal government can dump a significant chunk of production into the market willy-nilly and push that price down low? Now, when I say significant, 50 million is the smallest significant number. That correlates to about half a day of world consumption in pre-pandemic times. The SPR couldn't do this routinely as there are only 600-ish million barrels in reserves, but it certainly doesn't make U.S. oil producers feel very special. Also, this policy seems to support the production of fossil fuels despite the new rules on methane emissions and encouraging other countries, specifically OPEC Plus members, to produce more oil themselves. At the end of the day, this administration is sending mixed messages and slapping a big oil band-aid on an issue that runs deeper than just bringing a measly 50 million barrels to the market. Unless the current administration addresses the issue of decreased production, decreased investment in oil and gas, and the quickly decreasing duck count, it's going to really push these prices much higher at the end of the day. 
Next, we have to address the new developments on the report conducted on oil and gas leasing, specifically over federal lands. Finally, we have some word regarding this investigation that seems to have been going on for almost a full year. The Interior Department released a report that recommends increasing royalty rates and rent for drillers, prioritizing areas with resource potential, avoiding areas that could be used to develop wildlife, habitats, recreation, or cultural resources. Ultimately, it was determined that, quote, oil and gas failed to provide a fair return to taxpayers and inadequately accounted for its harmful impacts on the environment, end quote. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that was the question they were trying to investigate, and it's kind of silly that their answer was just, Yes. <laughs> Minimum royalty rates are currently at 12.5%, but the current administration would like to make that number much higher. Even environmentalists are upset. They claim that the report does little to address climate change, and they shame the fact that it was released on a weekend as they feel that this is the quiet possible way to do that, as everyone was distracted with Thanksgiving. Mitch Jones, policy director at the environmental group Food and Water Watch, said, quote, A minor increase in the royalties paid by climate polluters will have zero impact on combating the climate crisis and will, in effect, make the federal government more dependent on fossil fuels as a source of revenue, end quote. Still, the administration continues to say one thing and do another. The Trump administration was on pace to approve about 300 permits a month. If you had to guess, what do you think the Biden administration would be at? Well, about 10% higher at 332 per month. Not only that, but if you remember last week, they auctioned off the largest section of the ocean ever seen in U.S. history. Even though the administration claims to be dead set on slashing fossil fuel emissions, they are doing their damnedest to sell just as much, if not more, than previous administrations. Lastly, we should discuss this Omicron variant. We already talked about the 10% price crash, so right now the next biggest factor to consider is OPEC's meeting next week. Already, the group was struggling to produce with their suggested quota, so this variant could be a blessing in disguise if it truly decimates the demand for oil and gas. Well, a blessing for OPEC, at least. Yes, air travel has already been restricted in certain locations, but I'm not sure if consumption of oil will decrease enough in other areas. Think about it. There's a million Amazon trucks out there delivering one individual package to each household almost every day. Not only that, but the ports are stopped up with many months' worth of demand for products across the board. Like we mentioned last week, many firms and analysts are suggesting that the drop in price does not correlate to an appropriate drop in demand. Quote, this is a huge overreaction in terms of the market, end quote, Amrita Sen, chief oil analyst at Consultant Energy Aspects Limited, said in a Bloomberg Television's interview. This is the market pricing in the worst possible scenarios. But ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have to talk about for today's episode. Sickness running rampant, aggressive federal policies, and Christmas looming around the corner. You can say what you want about energy, but you can't call it boring. As always, you can send any of your questions to podcast at rarepetro.com. You can also send your criticisms there as well. We love to read them. The last thing we want to be doing is spreading false information, so we really encourage you to call us out. We hope you had a happy Thanksgiving and continue to tune in for the remainder of the holiday season. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody. 